The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of myself and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by this podcasting platform. The following content is controversial and might be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Wetlock Chronicles Podcast Season 3. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me. This is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast, Episode 3. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, you may begin speaking now. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you. Me too. Now, before we jump into our episode, it is time for the cocktail of the day. Today's cocktail is a springtime sipper, and we're going to use a mason jar glass. We're going to slice up some strawberries and layer the strawberries inside of your glass. Add some ice, two ounces of raspberry lemonade, preferably the frozen concentrated kind, but definitely make sure it's completely thawed out. Five ounces of Moscato of your choice, stir to blend, garnish with a lemon wheel, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the cocktail of the day, Springtime Sipper. Enjoy. Hey, guys. Welcome, 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 welcome. All right. So, we're going to jump into the topic of the day head. First, my relationship with my husband is wonderful. It's amazing. Um, We have had our difficult moments. We will probably have more difficult moments. But overall, um, I am happy with who I'm with. I love our dynamic. I love what we share. At times, it does get a little tough. It does get a little hard. It does get a little emotional. I mean, hell, we've broken up three times. And and let me just reiterate when I say we broken up. I've broken up with him three times, okay? Me. That was me. That was me. (laughs) It has been me that continuously has been throwing in the towel. And it has been him throwing it back at me in my face. Um, But not like in, you know, I'm not saying it like on some battery... (laughs) you know, um, domestic violence or aggressive or anything like that. It's just me saying 
Um, I am so quick to run away. I am a runner. I don't like drama. I don't like messy. Um, if I feel like my feelings are, um, if I get too overwhelmed and my anxiety kicks in due to the way I feel for me, it's so easier to walk away and deal with the repercussions of walking away. But for my husband, it's like, he totally right. Really like ignores <laughs> every time I come with it, you know, we need, we don't need to do this. We don't need to do this. Um, and I'm glad that he does do that because it gives me a lot of reinsurance. It does make me feel like, you know, wow, this man really loves me. He's not trying to give up on me or give up on us. Even though a lot of times, like, I'm not going to lie. That's how I have felt. Um, in numerous, uh, situations that we have been in, because this is foreign to me, everything about my husband's lifestyle, everything about who he is, everything about all the things that he's been through is completely foreign to me. I am foreign to him as well. So it has not been a very easy journey. It hasn't been a stressful journey. Um, when I say that I get in my feelings and I might cry I cry from anger and irritation. I rarely, seldomly cry because my feelings are hurt or I am sad. My tears a lot of times come from anger and being irritated. When I'm pretty much in my feelings or my feelings are, are hurt, believe it or not, I have, I don't do anything. I get completely quiet, completely quiet. Um, with all the losses that I've had, deaths that I've had, um, it takes me days to cry. I get very, very quiet because I am literally inside of my body and inside of my brain trying to um, quiet my storm because anger is my first emotion out of anything. I get angry first. My, my process might be different from other people, but I get angry first before I even get to any other emotions um, that people go through. So the anger is what comes out first. So when I say, you know, you know, I was crying, I was crying or I didn't want to record because I, it is anger. Like <laughs> it is like overwhelmingly me being pissed the fuck off. And so angry that I like almost have an anxiety attack. Like it, it's, it's very overwhelming. So it hasn't been a relationship where I've been sad a lot, where I've cried a lot, you know, out of sadness of out of being hurt, out of irritation and anger. Yes. Um, a lot of times it's because I have so much love for my husband and I have this, this need and want for him to be his best self. And a lot of times it, gets very disappointing and that's where my tears a lot of times come from um and where the irritation comes from because I see so much in him I see so much in us and it's like when those times hit it's almost like damn like this is just such a disappointment because we're so good you know we have something so special so I don't want to misread it um for people to think like, you know, I'm just this, you know, going through this, this stressful, you know, relationship or anything like this. No, it's like every other relationship up and downs. It's a little bit harder because he's incarcerated and it's like, we can't do anything but communicate to try to fix our situation. But that is not what our topic of the day is. Today, I want to talk about the dynamic between me, my husband and my best friend. Now, 
my best friend is a wonderful woman. I mean, I have watched her raise two kids. I have just watched her be a mom. And I give her her flowers, hands down, every time that I think about it. Um, But I've also have had male best friends as well. Presently, still to this day, I have two male best friends. I had another male best friend that passed away um, in 2003. And we were like cousins. We were calling each other cousins from like literally a week after we met. So the whole world knows this man is my cousin. We have claimed each other to be that um, up until the day that he died. And he was actually my first, first male best friend. And I am saying that to say that my husband and my best friend, his niece, that's how they grew up. They grew up as best friends. Typically, you have your girlfriend as your best friend um, and you do a lot of first things together. You sneak out together. You know, you just do a lot of first things together. But for my best friend and my husband, they have they did a lot of their first together when it came to getting in trouble, sneaking out, lying, whatever it was. This 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 has been their dynamic. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And I am so glad that um I am able to witness like how my husband really deals with the women in his family because that is like so important to me. That is like a major plus to me. But here's my dilemma. As I said before, I've always been a private person when it comes to my relationship. And I think as a woman, as women, we all are. There's just some things that we hold sacred that we don't talk about to anybody. You know, it's things that we go through in our relationships that only me, you and your spouse know, me and my spouse know, and the outside people don't know it. I have always had a male and a female um, confident. If certain people you tell certain things to, I mean, hands down, that's just what it is. And for me, very intimate details, I kind of sort of keep to myself certain things I don't share. Um, I just internalize them. Certain things I share with my male friends because I want the male perspective and some things you know your girl is your girl you know you just got to tell her stuff because you got to have that girl talk well because I'm such a private person a lot of times when it's stuff going on between me and who I'm with at you know me and my husband I would tell him something and I literally be like babe this is between me and you <laughs> like, because I might want to tell him like, you know, hey, whatever it is, you know, today, I don't like the way I look today. Or, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm bloated this week. I don't like the way I look. Now I don't look cute. I don't, whatever it is, it's just certain things that I want to confide in with my man, with my better half. You know, I want to be able to talk to him about anything. And sometimes I literally have to say, babe, like this is between me and you. Because at the same time, his best friend is my niece. I mean, it's his niece. I always say my niece. His best friend is his niece. My best friend. Technically, my niece too. And then there's times where I want to share something with my best friend. We're going to remove her as his niece. We're going to remove her as a woman. We're going to say 
my best friend. Sometimes I want to just tell my best friend stuff that I ain't even told him. But I could have, but it could be something between me and him that I want to share with her. And his ass would be done told her first. And I have to be like, damn, like, can I tell my best friend first what I want her to know? Like, can I like tell her, like, can it can can it come from me first? Because as a woman, like this is my girl. Like, I want to have girl talks. I want to share something with her. He'll be not already told her. Like, oh my God. So it is such a dilemma because it's like, A, I'm telling him stuff that I don't want him to tell nobody. But his niece is his best friend. And we all know that we still gonna go tell somebody. <laughs> like we rarely keep everything to ourselves and it just so happens that she's my best friend too but it might be something that i might not want her to know it might just be for me and him but that's his best friend so he's going to still tell her just like if he told me something and i'm like damn like you know this this is a this is a conversation you kind of have with your best friend like girl let me tell you what happened girl let me tell you what he said and i still will do it too but it is such a crazy triangle because me and her were having a conversation last week. And I really realized, like, I could literally tell my husband, baby, don't say nothing. You know, this between me and you. And he still go tell. Yep, he still, he still goes and tells. And I had, at that moment, I had to realize, like, this is not just his niece. This is his best friend as well. Um, They have been doing this way before I came along. They've been confiding in each other. They've been having these conversations. Um, At the same time, this is also my best friend. And it's stuff that I want to be able to share with her first before he, like literally when he asked me to marry him, he had already told her. Now y'all know that's something that I want to tell my best friend first. That is something that a female wants to share with her best friend first. He done already told her. So I had to realize like, I can't tell him shit. <laughs> like, I can't tell him nothing because he's still going to go back and tell. And it has nothing to do with her as a person. It's just the fact that, I want you to keep certain stuff between me and you and not tell anybody because guess what? I'm not telling anybody it's between me and him. I have always been private when it comes to my relationship. Certain things I tell, certain things I don't tell, but my husband tells it all damn near. I swear to God. And I'm not even tripping about it. It's just one of those things where you just kind of realize like, I really can't tell him everything because he's still going to have to get that off his chest and talk to somebody else. Now, the other thing that's very interesting as well, too, and what I realized is that I've never been with anybody that had a female as their best friend and they're confident. Like, I never have. So I've never been in that type of situation either. Like, I've been the one that had the opposite sex of a friend, but when you tell your guy friend stuff, it kind of stays with them. Like guys don't really go back and, oh, let me tell you, girl, you know, it, it stays with them. So I've always had 
that bringing that into my relationship but i've never had a person that i'm with to actually have a female as their confidant as a person that they go to and then let alone it's my actual best friend so just think about me telling her stuff sometime and she probably already know i just felt be feeling robbed like damn like i want to be able to tell her um and then at the same time, certain stuff that I don't want anybody to know because I'm telling him, he might tell. I'm not going to say that they that he tells her everything and they sit around talking, because I know that's not true. Like, hands down, don't, you know, get it twisted now. You know, this is not a messy triangle. This is not a messy situation. It's just I'm in a pickle. I'm in a pickle because my husband, I want to keep stuff between me and him. And I do know at times he he does confide in her and he does tell her things. He does explain to her things um, about what goes on with us because he might want her opinion. He might want to get some understanding because she knows me. You know, he might want something to um, fall back on to kind of get a, a gauge and what I'm feeling or how I'm feeling or why I'm saying whatever it is. I totally, totally get it because I do the same thing. She knows him in a way that I don't know him. She understands him in a way that I don't understand him. So a lot of times, you know, I'll tell her certain things to get a vantage point, to get an understanding. Like, you know, um, even with all the things that me and him have gone through, like literally, I'm telling you, she's helped me navigate through a lot of things of helping me understand who he is Um at times where I'm just completely lost on like what is wrong with this man or what's going on. I don't know how to handle this situation. So it is it's it's a gift and it's a curse. It's bitter and it's sweet. But my biggest, biggest issue is that I have come to a point where I do feel like my husband tells me all the time, it's nothing that you can't tell me. It's nothing that you can't tell me. You could tell me anything. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, that's what makes our relationship beautiful because we can talk about any and everything. But it's also one of those things where now I'm kind of like, but can I really tell you any and everything? Because some stuff I wanted to stay in between me and you. Um, and I know that that's not always the case and that sometimes does bother me. Um, and me and her have had this discussion too. We've had this conversation about it as a matter of fact, like, like I said, last week. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's, it's a triangle. I'm in a pickle. Like I want my best friend to myself at times. And then I want my husband to myself at times. I want to be able to tell her stuff and, be the first person to tell her stuff and then I want to be able to tell him stuff and it stays between me and him so it is a triangle it is a pickle that I'm in it is a predicament that I in but overall I love my triangle I love my triangle I love the fact that I have a safety net when it comes to her about him I love the fact that when things go left she has my back. She's my voice at a lot of at a lot of situations. Um, because she's my best friend, because she knows me, also because she's a woman, you know, she does understand what being a woman is. And so it helps me. It helps me when it, you know, when when I need it. Um, 
at the same time, like I love my husband. I love what we have. I love the closeness that we share. Um, I love the fact that I can talk to him like, you know, about everything, like anything that's ever happened to my life, everything. Um, I adore, I adore the fact that he loves the women in his family. Like the relationship that he has with his niece, his sister, his daughters, like I adore that. I adore it so much because it says a lot to me. I am a daddy's girl. I love my brother like no other. Um, And it is very important to me to see how men deal with the women in their family because it just really kind of gives you a heads up of what to expect. So I love the fact, I love the fact that his niece is who he chooses to communicate with and go through stuff with. I, I really, really do. So it's like I said, it's bitter and it's sweet. It's a gift and it's, and it's a curse. But <laughs> when I tell you, I'm just like, damn, like certain stuff, I really got to hold back from telling him because it literally might not be anything that I want anybody to know, like period, point blank. Like, that's just what it is. Um, Everything is not always out on the table. You don't want to, like, tell all your shit all the time to whoever. Some stuff you want to keep to yourself and some stuff you want to keep with your spouse, period, point blank. And so my biggest issue, my biggest dilemma within the triangle is um, how to really deal with being able to tell my husband any and everything, but at the same time, not really being able to tell my husband any and everything because he's not going to keep it to himself. He's not going to keep it to himself. Um, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit different. Like, and my best friend knows, like you could tell me something and say, right, she don't say nothing to nobody. And I really won't because I'm not really the type to tell other people's business to other people. Like, that's just not me. It's it's just never really been with me. Even if I fall out with people and I'm not friends with people anymore, I really don't, you know, go into the things that I know about these people. Once we're done as friends, once we done went our separate ways or whatever, it just is what it is. Whatever I know about you that I found out and I was told or I learned within our friendship, that's where it stays. So I don't necessarily, if he tells me don't say anything, most of the time I'm not going to say anything. I mean, because that's just how I am. Even with me and her, that's how our relationship has always been. So it's just, it's, it's a pickle. It's a pickle. It's a pickle that I'm in. It's a, it's a triangle that I'm in because I get the best of both worlds. I get my best friend to be my niece. I get my best friend to be my best friend. I get my best friend to be my husband's best friend and my husband's niece. But it sometimes, it sometimes overlaps. And I have been trying to figure out how to kind of explain that to my husband um, without him getting upset or maybe possibly offended. And I really don't think that he will. But I could still tell him, baby, like, okay, this is between me and you. I need for you to understand. And I promise you, <laughs> it is not going to be between me and him. He is still probably going to say something because of how close they are and how much he loves his niece and how much she loves him. He still has got to talk to somebody. He still has to get it up off of him. And 
that is just one of the obstacles and challenges within my marriage, my relationship. Um, I want to be able to talk to my husband about any and everything. You know, I want to be able to pillow talk, not the messy ass pillow talk that some of these dudes be doing with these females and vice versa. I mean, like I want to be able to pillow talk to my husband and let all my insecurities out of my hair down and, you know, like keep that stuff between me and him. And I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't think he knows how to do that. I don't think he understands how important it really is to me. Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to tell him this like for a minute, but I don't want to offend anything or anybody. And then I don't want him to feel like I'm, you know, trying to restrict him on what he can and what he can't say when it comes to us. I don't want to do that. I just want him to myself at times. And I want her as my best friend, um, to myself at times. And sometimes I don't want the overlapping. Like I really don't like, I feel like if I don't say anything, you shouldn't say anything. And that should be how we move. Like if I'm not saying nothing, then you know where she ain't saying nothing and I'm not going to say nothing. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pickle. <laughs> that is the best way I can explain it. It's a pickle being in this triangle. Um, and I'm quite sure people have been listening and probably antennas went up in the beginning, like, dang, okay. So she's married to her best friend, uncle. Like, how does that work? Um, because a lot of times that's not the typical situation. Like even with my brother and his wife, like that's my sister-in-law, but we don't hang, like we don't hang. And I don't really want to hear nothing about my brother. Absolutely not. Like we, I didn't, I grew up doing things with, with my friends. My first male best friend was when I was 13 years old. So I can understand their relationship because of me and Edriga's relationship, but I don't hang with my sister-in-law. I don't want to know nothing about their business at all. Um, but, but that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? That's a different dynamic, a different situation, you know? So it just makes it, it just makes it kind of, uh, uh, not hard. It just puts me in a weird place sometimes because like I said, like I want him to myself at times. I want our business to be our business at times. Um, as well as I still want him to feel okay to, go to his best friend, go to his confidant, who is his niece, who is also my best friend. But this is the, this is, this, this is the crazy part about this triangle. Can you imagine <laughs> the position that she's in as well? <laughs> like she's in the middle of all our bullshit half the time. Um, she's in the middle of having to be a woman, a best friend and a niece slash best friend all wrapped up in one. So she is trying to maneuver both of us, both of our feelings, both of our emotions, referee them, cheerlead some of them. It's a triangle. It is definitely a triangle. And my husband, I don't think sits back and thinks about any of that. Like he's a man. He's not, he's not consciously thinking about any of that whatsoever. But that is a situation that, you know, this is, this is what goes on in my relationship with my husband. Um, we have 
the same in one person. We have the same relationship in one person. Um, and for me, I love it. But at the same time, that private side of me, um, it does, it, it gets a little overwhelming for me because I'm like, I just want some stuff to stay where it's supposed to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to, um, I'm going to try to figure out how to explain it to him where he can understand it a little bit. But at the same time, I want, I want to get to a place where I'm okay with it. 100% as well. I mean, I'm okay with it. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm okay with it, but I want to be okay with understanding at times, like, you know, my empathetic self, putting myself in other people's shoes. I want to be able to be okay in understanding and knowing like the same thing that she is for me. She's also for him. Um, and I, you know, I think regardless of anything, our relationship is going to, is going to remain beautiful. It's going to be okay. Um, I am blessed and, and thankful that, you know, I do have her as a best friend and also as my confidant and also as his, because I'm telling you now, I'm telling you, if it wasn't for her refereeing this love match, I don't know where we would be. I must say that hands down because we have had some obstacles. Um, I have had to learn and understand him through her eyes and her life and in in her life meaning their life growing up and she has had to do the same thing for him when it comes to me explain to him my family my life how I grew up so hands down like it's the best situation ever the triangle is amazing but at the same time my husband talked too fucking much <laughs> And some shit is supposed to stay between us. But I love my husband. I love my husband. I love my best friend. I love this amazing triangle that we do have. But how do you guys, how would you guys navigate through something like this? I mean, I know for some relationships, a lot of men don't like their women to have male best friends and male friends. Hence, my husband is one of them. Um... And then vice versa, like, how would you handle it? How would you feel about it? Um, do you feel like it's certain things that should be sacred within your relationship that no matter who you guys um, confide in or talk to, certain things should just stay where they are? Um, like, how do you feel? Interact with me, guys. Interact with me. Let me know seriously how you feel because believe it or not, like, some people, for some people, this can be a deal breaker. You know, you got people who say, I don't want to date people who got chi uh, children. I don't want to date people who got male, uh, opposite uh, opposite sex best friends. Um, I don't date my, my friend's family, like different things like that. Like these are definitely real deal breakers and real relationships. Um, and for me, it, it wasn't a deal breaker at all. It, I, again, I just didn't, didn't understand the 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 true dynamic of it all um until me and my husband just really got into this love thing and then I was like okay you know but it didn't bother me because what I my friendship with her is my friendship with her um it didn't register to me until we started really having like real relationship and marriage 
um things you know conversations and stuff like that like some stuff should really remain between me and him so i'm gonna throw that out there for you guys and you guys tell me what you think about this and again thank you guys so much for tuning in and joining me on season three's episode three this is wetlock chronicles podcast So ladies, self-care is so important now more than ever. That's why when it comes to my skincare, I use Clean Rituals Complete Serum. The benefits are impressive. Clean Rituals keeps your skin smooth, reduce signs of aging, gives you that radiant look, most of all maintains healthy looking skin. I love this serum guys, and trust me, you will too. Aging is a fact of life looking your age is not visit cleanrituals.com and start your healthy skincare now that's k-l-e-a-n-r-i-t-u-a-l-s.com now back to the show okay guys it is time for the updates on my amazing husband the extra report I am going to see my husband on Monday. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm so excited. Um, He's way more excited than I am, but I am really excited um, to see him. I had a dream last week and I told him this dream felt so real, was so vivid. Like, oh my God, I had this dream that I finally went to go see him. No, 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 no. Let me back up. I didn't go see him. I had a dream that he was actually home. He was actually home and um, he had a trucking company. I can't remember. I told him to dream. I, I, I emailed him to dream, but I don't have time to pull it up. But he was home. He has his own business and me, him and my best friend, his niece were at home and we were cooking, making drinks in the kitchen. And he came downstairs from getting dressed and was on his way out to let somebody into his studio. And he gave me this hug. And when I tell y'all in his dream, this hug felt so real that I literally said to him, I've been waiting for this hug for 11 years. And the reason why I said that is because I have not, I have not had that type of, let me put all my stress into you hug. Let me just get this hug that I need so bad. Like that, that embrace that only a man, only your dad, only your husband, only your man can really give you. And I haven't had that in 11 years. Um, And I can't wait. I cannot wait for my husband to hug me. Like I have been missing that type of hug and embrace since my dad passed away. And I want it so bad and I need it so bad. And I cannot wait to see him. I don't even have to say anything to him, but that hug, whether it lasts for two minutes to 10 minutes, I can't wait. So in my dream, when I said that to him, when I woke up, I immediately like woke up and emailed him and told him about this dream. And he was like, I can't wait to give you that hug. Like, I mean, and and I know he can't. I know he can't. So I'm looking forward to 
um, visiting my husband on Monday. I have a crazy weekend um, this weekend as I did last weekend. I have a lot of cake orders and stuff like that. So Monday morning, I will be on the road to go see my husband and I cannot wait. Um, my cake business, the bakery business is, is picking back up. I am so happy for that. Um, I like being in my creative space. I love making cakes. I just love like being able to be free to design and create something beautiful. And when I tell you my husband is so supportive, he is so supportive of, of just my craft and everything that I do. Like he really makes me feel very, very good about, um, the things that I do and how I do them. Like, like he, he is like one of my biggest supporters and one of my biggest cheerleaders. And I really, really love him for that. Um, I have been, <laughs> I have been thinking about Mars and I've been telling my husband how Mars has been on my mind. And for those of you who are just now tuning in, Mars is the name of the, of what I want to name our son, if we have a son, I want a son and I want to name him Mars. And Mars has been on my mind heavy. And I've been telling my husband, like, you know, I've been thinking about Mars. I've been thinking about Mars. And he's like, you know, I'm going to give you that boy. I'm going to give you that son. And the downside to it is I am now 45 years old and, um, by the time my husband comes home in the next two to three years, I'll be close to 50. And my chances of doing this, actually having a kid, um, hold on. I'm sorry, y'all. My best friend just texted me and I'm trying to figure out what is she talking about? I'm on speaker. Let's see. We're going to call her and see. This is a live, y'all. Hey, you on my watch. I ain't looking at your cake. I'm on your watch? Mm-hmm. I just looking at your cake on Instagram. So what you mean? You can hear me or something? Yeah, I can. I was just letting you know. I don't know if you can hear me. But they want to get Nia a strawberry cake for her birthday. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm recording, so you live. So, yep, they hear you, too. Hey, y'all. <laughs> hey. hey, okay, so okay, cool. Just um tell just well tell just tell me what she want and when. Or do she have an idea? She want a strawberry cake, but Angel looking at the designs right now or whatever. Okay, so she want the flavor cake. strawberry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. okay, 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 cool. Okay, I'll call you back and get in on the um podcast in a little bit. Okay, I'm stuffing out some chicken right now. All righty. Well, this episode. I had this call from your husband too. This, I had this call from him. This episode is definitely about our triangle. <laughs> <laughs> and I try to stay clear of it, but um, it doesn't work. But yeah, so this does. this is about our triangle. But yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, just call me back. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, so you finally got a live phone call. And if he called, I will live it too. 
But been talking about Mars, been thinking about Mars. And, you know, even my husband was like, even if we have to get somebody to carry, you know, our son for us. And I don't want that. Like, I want to carry my own kid. I don't know if 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 anybody can understand like i want to experience that on my own like i know that people do that you know they get people to carry their kids and some people who cannot actually have kids have to do the same thing but that is something that i just kind of want to experience um but if it has to come to that point it has to come to that point but i really really have been thinking about our son mars lately um and i just again i just love the fact that he's with it like whatever it is to get me whatever i want it will make me happy i'm going to say hands down he'll do it he will do it he will do it and 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 i appreciate that um i just want to be able to do it on my own and i think sometimes i get a little sad about it because i'm like i don't know if i will be able to um, being that I'm 45 years old now, I know it's possible for some people, but you know, I don't know. We'll just have to see you guys just have to stay on this journey with me and see what will happen. Will I have Mars or will somebody else carry Mars for me? Um, very important, very important guys on this update. A couple of days ago, my husband's nephew was, um, shot by a police officer, um, not to get into too many details because I'm kind of out of respect for his family and everything like that. I, I kind of just want to let everything develop and come out. And then next episode, I'll jump into that. Um, but he was shot by a police officer two times, once in the arm, once in the stomach. If you are from Atlanta, you probably saw it on the news. But I am asking for all you guys out there that listen to me that, you know, continuously support this podcast and support me to keep my husband and his family in your prayers as you have always have when it comes to him. But keep him in your prayers, continue to keep him uplifted. These are the times where you need prayer and love um, as much as you can for somebody who is incarcerated. I am telling you, I cannot stress it enough. The worst feeling in the world is having somebody pass away while you are incarcerated or have somebody pass away while they are incarcerated. I'm telling you, it is an unnatural death. It doesn't feel good. I have experienced it. Um, and I don't wish that on anybody. So please guys, please continue to pray for my husband, continue to keep him uplifted, um, and pray for his family and pray for his nephew. Um, Last but not least on this update of my husband, I have been sharing with him about how amazing this podcast is doing, how I've reached, you know, my 5,000 play milestone, and now I'm at um, 5,200 in less than six days. And I told him, I said, you know what? (laughs) Our first episode and first couple of, well, first season and the first couple episodes was just blissful. First season, blissful. First season, blissful. Not that many, you know, up and downs, a few here and there. Second season, you know, towards the end, things got a little heavy. And the beginning of season three has been (laughs) nothing but the bullshit. So, 
I told him that, yeah, I think this is why I'm getting a lot more subscribers and a lot more plays. Like, it's the drama. It's the drama. And I have said in so many episodes, my husband is going to keep me with some content because he's crazy and all over the damn place. And sometimes this roller coaster ride, you know, the track be a little bumpy. I just, I had to name my last episode, where is my seatbelt? Like for real, where is it? I had to strap it on. I, I need the seatbelt, like the one in the car, like the one that go across your lap and the one that goes across your chest. I damn near probably need one like for the real roller coaster that strap you down and come over your head because this ride has been crazy. It's a lot of dips and twists and turns and backwards, frontwards, like, whew. Have you ever been stuck on a roller coaster upside down? I have. And sometimes this is what it feels like being stuck upside down on the mind bender at Six Flags. But outside of that, my husband is doing great. He's doing amazing. He's still working out. Um, he's still working. He's still taking as many classes and getting involved in as much as he can to, um, to stay um, proactive, to to do whatever he needs to do to make his way home, to be with his family, to be with his kids, to start this wonderful life with me. And I just thank you guys so much for continuing to be here, be on this journey with me, be on this journey with us. Um continue to pray for him continue to pray for me i probably need more prayers than him because his ass be driving me crazy okay but continue to pray continue to support it is so appreciated like i tell you guys that all the time it really really is it is so 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 appreciated so thank you guys so much for tuning in this is season three episode three Having a spouse incarcerated isn't easy. You go through a lot emotionally, mentally, and it can become a financial burden as well. Fed Up Wives is my nonprofit organization that's set to help wives and families of federal incarcerated inmates. We provide counseling, emotional support, and financial assistance for inmate phone calls, postal correspondence, visitation expenses, and back-to-school assistance. To contact us, Email fedupwives.org at gmail.com or call 404-543-8688. Now back to the show. They say behind every man, there is a great woman or in some cases, a crazy strong woman. These stories are about the women behind their incarcerated men. Some you may know, some you may not. But this is her story. Her story is about Nikki Park. Nikki Park is the wife of Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes' rise to fame was quite eventful with him giving many iconic performances, including the superhero Blade. His personal life, however, did not have smooth sailing from the beginning of his career. In 1990, Snipes separated from his college sweetheart, April Du Bois, with whom he shares a son. 
but all was not bad for Snipes as he became more and more successful in the film industry. And eventually his personal life was also surrounded in happiness as he met the love of his life, Nikki Park. After dating for a few years, the couple married in March 17, 2002. The private ceremony took place in a courthouse in New Jersey. The couple opted for a very secretive wedding with the couple dressed in regular clothes rather than in traditional wedding attire and Nikki not even walking down the aisle. While not much is known about her early life in South Korea is made public considering how her husband is Wesley Snipes. But this is not about the actor Wesley Snipes that we all know and love. This is about the woman behind Wesley Snipes, Nikki Park. Born September 1st, 1977 in South Korea, a Virgo, she spent most of her childhood in South Korea, but at some point between the 1980s and the 1990s, she moved to the U.S. From a young age, Nikki had been passionate about art and painting. Nikki's father was known to be a producing director at NBC and Korean Broadcasting System, KBS. He worked for more than three decades in the industry and has directed multiple Korean TV shows, including classics like The Season of Men in 1985, Another Happiness in 1991, and What is Love in 1991. The show What is Love is considered to be one of the first acclaimed Korean cultural export products. The show went on to gain millions of views from Chinese TV viewers when it aired on China's CCTV in 1997. Before the couple got hitched, they already had become parents to two beautiful children. Their first son was born in 2000 and their daughter, July 31st, 2001. On May 26, 2004, the couple welcomed their second son and then they were blessed again with another son in March 2007. On October 12, 2006, Wesley Snipes, along with Eddie Ray and Douglas P., were charged with different counts of tax-related fraud. On February 1, 2008, Snipes was found guilty of three misdemeanor counts of failing to file federal income tax returns. On April 24, 2008, he was sentenced to three years in prison. When Wesley Snipes was served with the jail time, his youngest son was only a few months old. Following the ruling, Snipes' wife Nikki wrote a six-page letter to friends and family where she proclaimed that her husband had been wrong in a way that she thought only existed in movies. She revealed that her warrior husband is still standing strong and reached out to them for the sake of their five wonderful children's future and for her man's integrity and dignity. Throughout the letter, she insisted that her husband was not a tax-invading criminal, but rather an honorable man and artist who simply needs an honest accountant. Wesley Snipes being held in prison meant that the entire responsibility of their family and their four young children fell upon Nikki. And she did her absolute best to raise the children right even after the absence of their father. Snipes was released from prison April 2nd, 2013. Talking about his time away from his family, he revealed that the time when he was locked up made him more appreciative of his family. He said, quote, the biggest thing I got from it was learning the value of time and how we often squander it. 
I understand that very clearly now, having been away from my family and loved ones for two and a half years. But this isn't about Wesley Snipes. This is about Nikki Park, daughter, wife, mother, and advocate. A strong woman behind her man who was behind prison walls. Today, on a serious note, we're going to talk about police-involved shootings. Law enforcement experts note how rare it is that police officers involved in high-profile and sometimes deadly on-duty incidents ever face criminal charges or convictions. Experts point out several factors, which include laws that protect an officer's right to use force, advantages from powerful police unions, prosecutors who may face a conflict of interest, and even jury pools that tend to side with police. It is rare because the juries are very reluctant to second-guess and judge the actions of on-duty police officers in violent street encounters, said Philip Matthew Sinton, a criminal justice professor at Boeing Green State University who spearheads a group that tracks data on police crimes. Stinson, who collects and tracks data from news reports and court records across the country with a team at a Harry A. Wallace police crime database, started tracking in 2005. In that time, the team's data had revealed that at least 140 law enforcement officers have been arrested on murder or manslaughter charges related to on-duty shootings in the U.S. From the pool, about a third were convicted on any charges. Seven officers, just 5%, have been convicted of murder during that time frame, according to their research. Because the researcher's data is based on cases that are reported in the media, it may not be comprehensive or representative, but it captures a snapshot that suggests how rare charges from these offense may be. The current standard for police use of force is in the 1989 U.S. Supreme Court decision that says force must be objectively reasonable and reason that officers are often forced to make split decision judgments in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving about the amount of force that is necessary in a particular situation. The standard which is under the federal constitution influenced some state legislators to interpret their constitution similarly. And many individual police agencies have incorporated that federal standard into their own policies and training, according to Brandon Garrett, a professor of law at Duke University of Law and faculty director of the school's Wilson Center for Science and Justice. There is no reliable database set that tracks on-duty shootings dating back to 2005, but according to the Washington Post, police shooting database, on-duty police officers have shot and killed more than 5,000 people since 2015. Police officers on trial enjoy benefit from reasonable doubt. 
Police officers who stand trial for murder or manslaughter have a unique set of advantages that make criminal conviction less likely, according to Garrett. In this country, many, use, many uses of force are not crimes. Criminal charges are rare. And we've seen grand juries decline to indict in high-profile cases, said Garrett. Unlike the vast bulk of criminal cases that result in convictions through guilty pleas, many police officers do not plead guilty and they are successful in trial. In many states, attorneys for police officers argue that their use of force and conduct, conduct was justified under split-second circumstances, which refers to rapidly evolving police encounters, according to Garrett. Police defendants often turn down plea offers knowing that their defense will likely succeed at trial. Officers often secure defense attorneys just hours after the incident occurs and they have highly high quality high quality union representatives from the onset to advise of their strategy, experts say. The quality of lawyering is very different for regular criminal cases, Garrett said. For the, typical, for the typical criminal defendant, it is incredibly risky to go to trial. I'm gonna say that again. For the typical criminal defendant, it is incredibly risky to go to trial. Patrick Tomasi, defense attorney, told CNN that juries in criminal trials involving police are often torn because they know officers are authorized by law to use deadly force when they are confronted with it. People on the outside don't understand what the law is. There are training and use of force statutes determining when police can use deadly force. Tomasi said, you have to look at whether he had the right to use it at the time he used it. And it is more than not understanding the scope of the law. Police defendants also benefit from jury sympathy due to the police perception that their job is inherently dangerous, which can broaden their range of self-defense arguments. Officers know that they have legal defense that wouldn't otherwise be available because they have a professional role in which they are authorized to use force that no one else is, Garrett said. That makes for a very difficult case. On the day that the jury cleared Rossfeld of charges, whom was found guilty of killing a black 17-year-old Antoine Rose II, Several bullets were fired into Tomasi's law office in Morgan, in, I'm sorry, in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. He said, there's, all, there's always so much emotion involved in these cases that it is hard, that the hard part for a defense posture and a prosecution's posture, you just hope that the people listen to the law, set aside whatever motions are involved, follow the law, and render the proper decision. Garrett said that there are hundreds of instances where police use deadly force each year, but despite the fatality, very few of those incidents result in an officer facing criminal charges. In the aftermath of Derek Chauvin's guilty verdict, Garrett believes that there will continue to be rethinking of how 
and when officers should be held civilly or criminally liable when they cause death. In in police brutality cases, the question is whether the officer accused of misconduct acted reasonably and their behavior was necessary under the circumstances, but how reasonable is defined remains largely elusive. There are so few cases that tell us what reasonable is, and that is why the conviction of Derek Chauvin's trial set a standard for reasonable that we didn't have before, said Gloria Brown Marshall, professor of constitutional law at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and Civil Rights Attorney. The Chauvin trial is a rare example of zealous prosecution. In hundreds of years where prosecutors have failed to prosecute white people for crimes against black people, Brown Marshall said. Despite viral images of police using what some argue to be excessive force, most are deemed reasonable by prosecutors and grand juries, whether because the officer's actions found to be justified or there is not enough evidence to file for criminal charges. I was listening to CNN around the Derek Chauvin trial and a very a point was made that stuck out to me. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm saying this correctly, so bear with me. It was said that a lot of times when the charges are made, a lot of people want first-degree murder. And when you charge on that scale, you can't go lower. So if if someone is found not guilty in first degree murder, there's no other charge that can be made, if that makes any sense. And that's why a lot of times they also are not found guilty because the statue and things that go into what is considered first degree murder, they literally don't find beyond a reasonable doubt that that could hold any weight. And that's why they're found not guilty. If you charge for lesser charges, you have a better chance of getting those lesser charges so that some jail time can actually be made. Um, And this is the best way I can explain it. I found this, so hopefully um, you'll be with me. Um, A lesser crime, also known as a lesser included offense, A crime that is necessarily committed in carrying out a greater crime because the greater crime contains all of the elements of the lesser crime. For example, a defendant who is convicted of murder is also necessarily guilty of battery because the elements of murder include the offense of battery. Despite that, a jury cannot convict a defendant of both a greater and lesser crime for the same conduct. However, a count may instruct a jury to convict the defendant on a lesser crime if they are not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is guilty of the greater crime. Prosecutors sometimes decide to charge a defendant with a lesser crime to increase their chances of of securing a conviction rather than risking an acquittal at trial for a greater crime. 
Prosecutors also use lesser crimes to encourage plea bargaining by offering the reduce a charge from the greater offense to the lesser offense in exchange for a guilty plea. So again, a lot of times when these trials happen, people want first degree murder because you feel like, no, they did it. They need to get this amount of time. But it is very hard to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it was actually first degree murder. So if you go for the high and you lose, you lose. It's acquittal. That's it. But if you go for a lesser charge that includes some of those same things, you have a great, you have an increase of having a guilty verdict for the lesser charges. I hope I explained that those two different ways. Um, Next episode, we'll get into um, the levels of charges and, and, and the counts and different things like that. But that expert on CNN that I watched made the most sense to me that explains so many trials of people being acquitted um, for killing unarmed black men or unarmed black women, unarmed period people is because they go for the high knowing that you cannot find a reasonable doubt in those cases. So a lot of times they know exactly what they're doing when they shoot for a higher charge. You can't, you have to, a jury has to, has to find, it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. That is very, very hard to do. Um, And if they find you not guilty because all the elements within that charge do not give them that satisfaction of beyond a reasonable doubt, there is an acquittal. So that is all that I have on a serious note. I hope that you guys took some of that in. As I always say, I try to still bring you facts. I try to still bring you seriousness. Um, and I encourage everyone to look these things up when I talk about these things. Um, keep these in the back of your mind. Educate yourself. Educate your family so that you can know what's going on with the law. There is a lot, a lot, a lot of loopholes. But the best thing you can do is to know your rights, know the Constitution, know the Declaration of Independence. I promise you it will take you a long way. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast, Season 3, Episode 3. Quick, 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 quick update, guys. Man, you guys are rocking out with me. I am so thankful and appreciative. Within seven days, excuse me, I had to, I thought I had to burp. I didn't want to be rude and just burp out loud. (laughs) But within seven days after reaching the 5,000 play goal that I set for myself, I am now at 5,200 plays within seven days. I know it's the drama. I know it's the drama, (laughs) but I'm hoping it's really because it's good content and you guys are enjoying um, this journey. I hope you guys really are because I am enjoying telling you um, 
as my journey continues to develop, as I continue to love on my husband and my husband loves on me and all the drama that comes with it, um, I am hoping that it's what's keeping you guys coming back and keeping you guys spreading the word. Again, I am very, very, very appreciative. Um, if you want to um, follow all the social media platforms for this podcast and myself, please do. Um, <clears throat> it's very important, as I've been saying every episode, it's very important that you guys rate, review, comment um, this show. It helps to show out. Anybody who has a podcast will tell you it's so important um, that you get rates, that you get um, reviews because it helps take you to another level, take you to the next level in podcasting. It helps with sponsorship and all of the above. So please guys, take the time out to rate and comment. Um, Spotify or on Amazon, on Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, please take the time to um, rate and review the show, rate and review me. I have added new merch onto the Shopify um, shop if you guys are interested. All of the social media pages are linked to the store. Um, even the website is linked to the store. So feel free to check out some of the new merch. I have t-shirts. I have tote bags. I am. Um, I will continue to add on more uh, merch um, at least maybe once or twice a week, it'll 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 start being more and more merch that'll be available. This April seventeenth at nine p.m., I will be having a streaming party. Yes, I will be celebrating the five k listens. I have a few friends and family. We're gonna get together and we're gonna stream this party. So you guys can tune in and view the party, participate, whatever you want to do. Um, at nine p.m. next Monday, April seventeenth. If you guys are looking for brand promotion, business promotion, you can email wetlockchroniclespodcast at gmail.com. I have pricing, information, anything that you need. Um, just let me know. Um, we do commercials. Any kind of promotion that you're looking for, whether it's social media, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on the website, um, all the platforms that I have, it, all of these things, I have package pricing for them. And I believe that is all for the updates again. Thank you guys so much for showing me so much love, continuing to listen, um, continuing to spread the word. These numbers are climbing. I have new subscribers, new followers, the, the plays are going up and I am, listen, I am so, so appreciative. Like, again, I'm just a girl telling a love story, um, that I really didn't think nobody really wanted to hear as time has gone on. You guys have reached out to me, um, and told me how my story sounds like your story, or we share, share a lot of similarities in our stories. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm completely humble. I hope that I'm doing some type of service uh, for somebody out there, even if it's just one person. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Wetlock Chronicles podcast, season three, episode three. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, 
Google Podcast, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website, wetlockchronicles.com. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, you may begin speaking now. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you.